Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, some of y'all are excited about the new year. And those watching online, Happy New Year and welcome. Listen, if you thought that in the year 2020 that miracles were not possible, all you had to do was watch the Titans beat the Patriots last night. Listen, and, and those people from up north are mad right now, but we don't care. <laughs> oh, y'all, it was glorious. Always a good moment when you see Tom Brady lose because he doesn't do it often. And so it was, it was good for my soul. And so miracle, this is going to be a good year, y'all, good year, even though next week we play the Ravens. That's a whole nother subject. But um. Anyways, for those I do not know, my name is Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Vision, and I'm so thankful that I get to bring in the new year with you and celebrate all that God has in store for us. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but when Daniel was singing that last song, it's one of those things where it's a very, very wonderful song, but a difficult song. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about. Whereas I was listening to the words of that song and just repeating, I just want you. I just want you and nothing else. As I was listening to those words, I had that moment in that check in my spirit. Nick, is that true? Is it true? Because you have me and my presence is with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So is that really true? And the hard part for me is that's not necessarily true each and every day. And I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you go, listen, that sounds really nice, but that is not where I am. That is not currently my testimony. But here's also what the Lord was saying to me is that might not be where you are right now. It might not be your testimony right here and right now, but maybe it's a declaration of where you hope to be. Maybe like me just wanting you and be fully satisfied in the person of Jesus. Maybe I'm not currently there, but today is a day where we can take steps into that truth and that becoming reality. And so that's my hope for all of us. And today we're going to start kind of the prequel to our contentment series called Never Enough, where we're going to continue to talk about what it means to and where we can find true contentment and where contentment is not found. And I think it's interesting that we're doing this season fresh off the hills of the holiday season because my discontentment was revealed a lot over the last few weeks and months. And also I have these little humans in my house that reminded me of discontentment as well. Let me give you an example of this. So y'all, I love Christmas. And Part of the thing in the rhythm that me and my wife running is we want our kids to have a great Christmas. And no, great Christmas is not equal to having stuff, but we always want our kids to have more stuff than we had growing up. That's just part of how we walk. I know y'all are nothing like me, but that's how me and my wife operate. And so I was excited about the stuff that we got our kids. We got them some of the things they asked for. We got some of the things that they needed, and it was going to be exciting. I was excited. We wake up Christmas morning and I'm anticipating after this Christmas extravaganza is over that our kids will be waving palm branches over me and my wife saying, Harold, are you highly favored mom and dad? You are good even when we are not. Praise the lamb. Like that's what I was expecting. And I have a friend, Nikki, who's told me this quote, which I think is so applicable. She said, unspoken expectations 
are premeditated disappointments. There hadn't been many truer things said. So Christmas morning, um, the coffee is going, and I get the privilege of handing out the presents to every child with joy. And I'm like, oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> Daddy and mommy love you. And I was excited, y'all. I was just finishing up handing out the presents in order so everyone had the same amount, so no kid was like, hey, by the way, you, that one has more than me. And I was almost done. I thought, maybe, just maybe, we're going to get through without any kid complaining. And then my youngest, my blessing from the Lord, my five-year-olds, bless his heart, I love him. He looks at me and he goes, Daddy, Jackson has more gifts than I do. Hold on, I need a moment. Me and the Holy Spirit got to talk before I kick a child. Hold on. <clears throat> okay. Well, well, buddy, um, actually, that present that Jackson has more than you is actually for the both of you. It's actually y'all are going to share that gift. He's like, yeah, but he has more than me. You ever have that moment with your kid where you're like, did you hear the word that I said? Like, I, I know I spoke the English. What is wrong with you? And so I remember like, hey, hey, Nash, I told you that, you know, you're just going to share that gift. And okay. And so we made it past that. And the Holy Spirit was working, y'all. Praise the Lord. He was working. The next day, we go on an adventure outside of the house. And I think we went and played with some friends. And we're driving. And everything's wonderful. Everyone's playing with the thing that they got. And everyone should be satisfied. And it should be great. And then my sweet blessing from the Lord, my little five-year-old, oh, so cute, precious, uh, he says, hey, Daddy. I was like, yes, son. He said, you remember how I asked for the Zelda game and you didn't get it for me? <laughs> See, this is the moment where you look at your spouse or that person, and I was like, you need to be the same one because I'm about to step into crazy. <laughs> and my wife is looking at me, it's okay. It's okay. I was like, help him. Help him. And I said, well, and I think my wife chimed in. She said, well, Nash, we got you a lot of things, but we didn't get you everything on your list, but we did get you a lot of things you asked for. And then you said this, kind of like a teary, like, but you didn't get me the Zelda game. Don't y'all all that. <laughs> Some of y'all like, oh, bless his No, he was fine, y'all. Y'all about to be in the same boat he was in. Now, listen, <laughs> like everything in me wanted to pull the car over and be like, Walk. Y'all like, you, you have a lot of dysfunction. I do. The Lord's still working. But what was crazy about this interaction was I was upset by it, but it also revealed to me the discontentment that is within me because for me, in my head and in my plans, what he should have done is just thanked me, been grateful, you know, like I said, back to that palm branch thing. That's what he should have done, but he didn't meet my expectation, and so I was discontented. And this five-year-old was discontent because he did not get all the things that he thought he deserved and should get. And I feel like this is a picture of all of us. We so often, we know what is true, and we know that stuff can't satisfy us, and we know that contentment is not found in things, but yet in our everyday living, in our daily walking, we somehow seem to forget that. And so what we're going to do today and what we're going to do in the weeks to come in this Never Enough series is we're going to see where contentment is found and where contentment is not found. And we're going to look at the life of Solomon today. Solomon was one of the wisest men ever to live in this world. He had resources. He had all the things. He had all wisdom. 
And he sought out to see if other things would satisfy him. And he found that the pleasures of this world do not satisfy. And then he looked to his wisdom to satisfy him. And he found that wisdom devoid of leading you to a place where you find out that God is sufficient and enough cannot satisfy you either. And so we're going to look at the life of Solomon, and we're going to see some things that will be revealing for us, but also see what are some better steps we can take. And then in the weeks to come, we're going to explore this subject even more. C.S. Lewis puts this in perspective, this contentment thing in perspective. And if your name is Clive, I'm probably listening to you. But C.S. Lewis says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. What is true of me, I am sitting on the shore trying to satisfy myself and be content with making mud pies where I've been invited to a holiday at sea with the king of kings where I can be fulfilled and truly content, but yet I'm satisfied with the mud pies. The alternative to this, I think Paul put it pretty well in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. He says this, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored, magnified the cause to be seen as great in my body, whether by life or by death. And this is the line. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Contentment is only found in Christ. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say that one more time. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Here's my prayer for us today and for going forward, is that our hearts will be open and our walls will fall down to hear a truth that God has for us. And let us not be a people that will hear the truth and do nothing differently. But may we embrace that truth and allow it to take root and allow it to change our next steps based on the truth that we heard. So I invite you right where you are to pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've given us an invitation to be fulfilled. Thank you that you love us enough. Thank you for sometimes giving us a hard truth to swallow. And Father, my prayer for us is that we will embrace this truth, that we not fight against it, that we not try to argue with you, but Lord, that we will receive this truth and be changed by it. And so, Father, over the next few moments and the next few weeks, will you do a work in and through us, and will you allow for us to walk in a different manner and to carry ourselves in a different posture based on what is heard in this place? So, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we pray all these things in your awesome and holy name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings. We're going to start off there. Solomon, some facts about Solomon. Solomon was the son of David. His mother was Bathsheba, which is another amazing thing that God would take a relationship like Bathsheba and David's and bring something really good out of it. But that's what God does. He takes the broken things and he is able to turn them for good. And so Solomon, in the beginning of his ministry, he becomes king. And he's going to have this encounter with the Lord, this dream with the Lord. And it's going to reveal where his 
his heart is. We're also going to see why we should listen to a guy named Solomon. And the reason is because God gave him more wisdom than anybody and more stuff than anybody. And so he is worth listening to. So 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, says this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Can we pause right here for a second? So here is Solomon. He falls asleep. He is walking in this new posture as king. He is doing what God calls him to do. And God appears to him in a dream. And God asks him the most amazing question ever. Hey, Solomon, what do you want me to give to you? And I don't know how you would answer that question, but you don't have to say it out loud, but think about it. What would be your answer to that question? I mean, I can think about a lot of things that I want the Lord to give me. Here's what is true of all of us. How we answer that question reveals our heart. And we're going to see Solomon's response, which I wouldn't have responded like Solomon did, but I'm glad he did. Verse 6 says this. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or to number. Verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? What does Solomon ask for? Wisdom and discernment. So that he can better lead the people of God, so that he can better do what God has called him to do. I think this is a very good glimpse of where Solomon's heart is in this moment. Let me just be real with you. That is not what I would have asked for. God just made me wise and discerning. No, give me some dollars. Allow my kids to behave. Allow my kids to be thankful. Allow you fill in the blank. But it probably wouldn't be, hey, Lord, give me a discerning heart and wisdom to better navigate what you have called me to do. But that is Solomon's response. And this is what the Lord says, verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized that it had been a dream. So we get this glimpse in 1 Kings. And then we find the same king, Solomon, much later in life, writes this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The words of the teacher referring to Solomon, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
took a turn, right? Here's a guy that was like, oh, God, just give me your wisdom and discernment so I can better do what you've called me to do and lead your people well. And then he gets to a point when he's writing Ecclesiastes, he's like, listen, everything is meaningless. What's the point of everything? How did Solomon get to this point? Like, how did he get from someone who was like, hey, God, I just want to be wise and discerning so I can better do what you've called me to do. How did he get to a place where he goes, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless? And this is my opinion, but I kind of feel like he wanted the things of God more than he wanted the presence of God. Like he enjoyed all the benefits and the perks of walking with God and being wise and having all the money, but he forgot the essential thing was the presence of God. And when it says meaningless, in Hebrew that's habel, which means vapor or breath. So what he is saying is this. He's saying everything is but a vapor or a breath. Here is what is true, and I want you to think about this. This was a sobering thought as I was studying and preparing. Everything that is not eternal is just a breath. Let me say that one more time in case you missed it. Everything, what's included in everything? Everything that is not eternal is just a breath. As I, as I thought about that, I was like, oh. So think about this. Then my mind started going. That house that I have to pay for every single month, check this out. One day somebody else is going to live in it. That savings that we're trying to save, it's Christmas season, y'all, so don't judge. But that 401K that we're putting money into so that, you know, we can have money later on in life, I'm probably not going to be the one who spends it. Oh, That position that you have worked really, really hard for, that promotion that you have given everything for, somebody else one day is going to have it, not you. You're like, Nick, thank you. Happy 2020. But (laughs) hear me. Everything that is not eternal is just a breath. We attempt so often to fill ourselves with things in hopes that it will get us to our desired destination, but it will never get us to where we want to go because we're not filling up with the right things. Kind of like this. There have been some people I have known that have gone to the gas station, even though it is labeled really, really well, unleaded and diesel. There are some people that I know that no matter how well it's labeled, they get the diesel pump and they put it into their unleaded tank. Now hear me. You can fill your unleaded tank up with diesel fuel, but once you start the car, you will not get to where you want to go, I promise you. People are going to judge you and your car is going to have a fit. Why? You might go, well, it's fuel. Yeah, but it's not intended for that tank. But yet, how many of us are trying to get to a desired destination and filling up on the wrong fuel that will never get us to what we want to get? It will never. And here's what's crazy. But yet, we keep trying. Somehow, we're like, you know what? I know this didn't work last time. I know when I filled my unleaded tank up with diesel fuel, it did not work. But this time is different. It's Tuesday. The sun is brighter today, so today I'm going to do the same thing, but hopefully I'm going to get a different outcome. Hey, everyone, I'm just going to give you some free wisdom right here. If you continue to do the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same thing. You just are. 
And the dictionary calls it insanity when you keep doing the same thing and you hope that a different outcome will happen. Let me go ahead and free you up. A different outcome is not going to happen. You're going to continue to get the same thing and you're going to continue to walk around discontented. Because when we fill ourselves with the wrong thing, it will never get us to where we want to go. And then Solomon did an extensive research to figure this out to see if this is true. Ecclesiastes 2, beginning in verse 1, it said this. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? Solomon said, maybe if I laughed, maybe if I numbed myself, maybe if I had some pleasure, it will lead me to contentment. But we're going to see that it does not lead to contentment. There is nothing wrong with laughing and there is nothing wrong with comedy when you put it in the right place. But if you hope that those things will yield something that it's unable to do, then you're just going to be frustrated. You're just going to end up in the same place that you already are in. It can never fully satisfy and make you content. Verse number three. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during these few days of their lives. So what did Solomon decide to do? He went and partied, y'all. He's like, listen, we're going to get after it. I'm going <laughs> to... Sorry, someone amen. They just had a moment, amen. It don't work. Thank you, I appreciate that. But here's the deal. He's like, let me just go and just do everything I want to do and do all the things and let's see if I can find contentment. And we're going to see that Solomon does not find contentment in these places. And I feel like the great theologian from the 80s and the 90s, Prince, Echoed this wisdom very, very well. See, some of y'all in here are like, what's a prince? Ask your mom and your dad. They'll explain it to you later. We still don't know. But anyways, <laughs> he said this in the lyrics to his song, 1999. It feels very reminiscent and it echoes what Solomon said. But life is just a party and parties weren't meant to last. War is all around us. My mind says prepare to fight. So if I got to die, I'm going to listen to my body tonight. Yeah, they say 2000, zero, zero, party over with, oops, out of time. So tonight I'm going to party like it's 1999. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, let's just live a life with no rules and no restraints and no boundaries, and let's see if that yields contentment. Everybody, it does not. Some of us in this place have tried all kinds of things. We thought maybe, just maybe, maybe the problem is, that I married the wrong person. So we trade our old spouse in for a new spouse and we still find, guess what? Contentment has not been found. Or some of us think, you know what? I'm going to just make more money and we make more money and we find out what? That more money doesn't equal happiness. We go, well, maybe if I stop living by kind of the rhythm and the integrity that I used to live by, then maybe I can find contentment and happiness with doing it just a different way. And we find that that is still not True. Solomon goes on to say this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. 
I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers in the harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me, but yet he still was not satisfied. And here's the deal. If we were living back in Solomon's time, we, from our perspective, would have thought, man, this guy has arrived. He's got all the stuff. He has all the power. He has everything he could possibly want. He has truly arrived. But here is what is true. Arrival is in the eye of the beholder. What do I mean by that? I mean, from our perspective, we can look at the life of Solomon and think that he had it all. But if we got to peek behind the curtain and see what was in his heart, we would see a man that did not arrive and who was not satisfied and who was as discontented as all of us. But we like to view people and we like to write their narrative based on what we see. Here's what is true, everybody. You do not know the truth just based on the picture that is presented. How do I know that? Well, I know that because we take family pictures together. What do I mean by that? When you see our family picture, you think to yourself, man, those person kids are so well behaved. Look at how well they color coordinate. Everything is going so well. If you could see behind the scenes, you would see a five-year-old that does not smile and who runs everywhere. You would see a nine-year-old who loses control of his body. You would see a daughter who tries to tell us what to do. You would, I mean, you would just see a hot mess. You cannot let the picture you see tell you what is really going on. Why? Because you can't see the heart behind those people. You can't really see what's going on, but we have this tendency to believe and to write the narrative. We look at other people's lives and we go, you know what? They've got it much better than me. Man, they must be really contented. Man, they must be really satisfied where they are. Listen, if you could do a survey, you would find out that that's simply not true. Filling up on lesser things will make us full temporarily, but doesn't ultimately satisfy. A few weeks ago, we did a sermon on Psalm 42. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul will long it after thee. We can fill up on lesser things, but everybody, it will not satisfy us ultimately. And here's what is true. I'm not telling you anything you do not know. I'm not giving you these deep theological things that you have never heard before. But the problem is, it's not a question of simplicity or complication. It's about willingness to do it. Because the truth of the matter is, we can know all the knowledge and we could say, oh, okay, I know that doesn't lead to fulfillment and contentment. But if you continue to do the same old thing and keep getting the same old thing, then what's the point? We have not been invited just to be hearers of the word, but the other part is to be doers of the word as well. And that's the hard part. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 10. I deny myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had told to achieve, 
everything was meaningless. Everything was but a vapor or breath. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Here is what Solomon found out. Things of this world are unable to yield the fruit that can only be found in the Lord. Things of this world cannot yield the satisfaction that only the, the Lord can yield. Things of this world cannot fill us up because they were never intended to do so. Paul David Tripp has a quote that I don't like, but I think we need to listen to it, and it will help us navigate the next few weeks as we unpack and uncover what contentment looks like and where contentment is truly found, and that things of this world will never ultimately be enough. He says this, enough is the persistent problem this side of eternity. Enough is what we seldom seem to get right. Enough is what trips us up again and again. Enough is one of our deepest sources of trouble. Enough is what we find such difficulty in being satisfied with. Although the definition is different for each of us, the struggle with our enough is that it tends to keep expanding. And when it does, we never seem to have enough. Whew. Don't like it. So over the next few weeks, y'all, we're going to find out where enough is found. We're going to invite you guys to be in communion with people so that you can be reminded of what enough is and what will never be enough. We even made fancy books for you to have. Doesn't that look good? Why? Listen, I just want you to hear me. We are not trying to add something to your plate. We are not trying to get you to do something so we can feel better about ourselves. No, no, no. What we want is something for you. Ultimately, we want you to be free and satisfied fully in the Lord because that's only where it comes from. I love one of my favorite artists is Tori Kelly. She's been nominated for Grammys, all kinds of things. She did this interview with I Am Second, and I love what she says in this part of the interview. Y'all check this out. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8 says, All these things I consider as loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I don't believe that every single day wholeheartedly, but that I think is the goal, is to really look at my life and be like, okay, if all of this went away, would I still be okay with just Jesus and all of the things that he offers? And and I, I would say yes, I, I would be okay because he's just, he's everything. Through Christ, I can just be myself and just be surrounded by his love. If Christ is everything, then you are lacking nothing. And, I love, and I'm sure she has to remind herself day in and day out of what is true, and she came to the same conclusion. If you take it all away, as long as I have Jesus, I have enough. Solomon at the end of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verse 13, he says this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. 
This is what Solomon discovered, that true, lasting satisfaction can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not complicated. It's not convoluted. But I'm telling you, to remind yourself of that and to walk in that truth, you have to be intentional to remind yourself. In that song we sang, in that song that Daniel sang, nothing else, one of the lines is, I want to get back to where we started. I want to get back to where we started. And I love that line, but it's a challenging line. Like, do you, if you're walking in right relationship with Jesus, do you remember the first time you truly heard the gospel and you got it? Do you remember the first time that you heard that there is a good king who loved you enough to step out of glory and put on flesh and come and chase after you and live perfectly for 33 years in order to pay a debt that you could not pay. And then when he was 33, he surrendered his life on a cross. No, they didn't kill him. He surrendered his life because you can't kill the king. But the king surrendered his life in order to pay your debt and to pay it full in order to win you back from the grasp and the clutches of death. And then three days later, everyone thought he was dead. Everyone thought the story was over. But with a mic drop that has never been seen before, Jesus got up out the tomb, everybody. And because he reigns over death, he has paid a way and paved a way for you to overcome death through his completed work on a cross. Do you remember the first time you heard that? And you recognize that this king loved you enough to come and redeem you and make a table for you that you can come and sit at and eat until you're full and then eat some more and then drink from the well that never runs dry. That is what your king has done for you. Do you remember where you started? Listen, let me just tell you something. The gospel, yeah, come on, that's the gospel. Hear me. The gospel is no less powerful the first time you heard it than it is the thousandth time you heard it. It is still life-giving and life-changing. But sometimes we have to just go back to where we started. Sometimes we just have to remember what is true. Sometimes we just need to make the intentional step to abide in this truth. In John 15, 5, it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the invitation, everybody. It's to come and sit and to dine and to be filled by the only thing that can fulfill you. And that is Jesus. If you would, I want you to bow your heads for me. I want to read some scripture over us. This is found in Matthew 11, verse 27, and this is the message paraphrase written by Eugene Peterson. And I love the way Eugene puts this. With your eyes closed and your hearts and your ears open, I want you to hear this. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. 
Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Dear Jesus, thank you for the invitation you have given each and every one of us to walk with you, to dine with you, and to drink from you. Father, my prayer that there, if there is anyone in this place that has not said yes to the invitation you have given them for your completed work on the cross and your resurrection over the grave, Lord, if they have never said yes to the invitation you have given to walk in relationship with you right here and right now, right where they're sitting, Father, I pray that if they could say something like this, dear Jesus, I don't understand it all. But nobody does. But in the best way I know how, I say yes to your completed payment on the cross because you lived a perfect life and you were sent from your Father in heaven. I say yes to the fact that you were resurrected from the grave, reigning over death, and through you revealing to me that I can reign over death through your completed work on the cross. And so, Jesus, I say yes. Father, if anyone in this place or watching online said something like that, on the authority of your word, it says they will be saved. It says that they have a seat that has been reserved for them at your table. Father, thank you for that good news. Thank you for that gospel. And Father, if there's anyone in our midst that maybe has been walking with you for a while, but yet has forgotten where true contentment and satisfaction is found, Thank you for reminding us that it is found in you and you alone. Father, let us not just be hearers of that good news, but let us walk out that good news. Let us fix our eyes on you and let us be made whole through what you have done. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlife.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.